Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Do you ever find yourself in a place where you're believing and asking and praying and just seeking God for something new? But at the same time, it feels like you're the same old vessel. You ever thought about the fact that when we search after the freshness of God and sometimes we wonder why we don't get it? Because God doesn't want to waste new wine in an old wineskin. Because an old wineskin will crack, it'll break, it won't handle the presence. It can't adjust, it can't expand with the fermentation. It's unable to yield. And the Bible says in multiple places, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. And in a moment of transparency with you, there's a song called New Wine on Hillsong's new album that for at least this last weekend a bit has completely ruined me. Just ruined me. And it's challenged me and convicted me to come back to a place of God, make me new. Make me new. Because if you pour out new wine into this old vessel, it'll split and it'll be wasted. But if you would make me new, if you would stretch my spirit, if you would enlarge my capacity, you could pour out new wine. You could pour out overflow. You could pour out presence. You could pour out kingdom in such a way that I could attempt to hold on to some of that and use it in your timing and in your will and in your space. And just in case you share this with me, I want to play that song for you at the end of the service. We'll give a space for impartation. And it's my hope that every single person that's in this auditorium will be able to respond and get prayed for because it's prayer and fasting and how many know that fasting without prayer is just starving but closeness with Jesus doesn't decrease the hunger I wonder tonight just before we sit down God in this place Even as we breathe now, Lord. Come on, there's an awareness, a sensing, a heightened ability to respond to your presence. Because right now we make the decision to tune into you. God, that's our prayers tonight, that you would make us new. Help us to be aware, Lord, what it is that you have given us. Thanks, guys. That's delicious. It's my privilege tonight to uh, unpack the second half of week one of our Open Heaven series. Turn to your neighbor and say, Open Heaven. Open Heaven. Uh, 
Pastor Jelly opened that this morning for us. I love the thought from Jemima Varghese. Open heaven giving positions you for open heaven living. Somebody say that's good. Come on, that's so good. Open heaven giving positions you for open heaven living. It comes out of Second Chronicles chapter 1 uh, in verses six, uh, 5, 6, 7 in that space where Solomon uh, suddenly takes over the kingdom. His father David passes away. And so he does... Uh, this massive sacrificial offering, and then God turns up and says, what do you want? Ask me anything. You imagine that? Like a blank checkbook from God just turns up and says, what is it that you want? I asked our intermediate space in Massive uh, this morning, if God turned up and you got a blank check, what is it that you would ask for? And I'll let you fill in the blanks for what 11, 12, 13-year-olds would respond with an open checkbook. Merry Christmas. It was a good time. I want to read for you that passage just to set the scene tonight. If you are wanting to turn with me tonight, I'll tell you right from the start, good luck uh, keeping up. But Second Chronicles chapter 1 starts with Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom. There's the power of fasting, right? It allows you to take firm control of your kingdom. I wonder if you think about your life in this stage, in this moment, in this season of your life where you are at the moment. What is it that God's asking you to take firm control over? Because something happens when we take a moment to fast and pause. It allows us to disorientate distraction and to restore kingdom order and be and suddenly are more aware and more intentional with where it is that we would otherwise waste and invest our time in unproductive things. It allows us to tune in and to focus and creates this heightened sense of awareness, this intimacy with God's presence. It says that Solomon took firm control of his kingdom for the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. Solomon called together, turn to your neighbor and say together. All the leaders, say all the leaders of Israel, the generals, captains of the army, judges, political and clan leaders. He led the entire assembly. Somebody say entire assembly. To the place of worship in Gibeon. For God's tabernacle was located there. This was the tabernacle that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. There's power in our together. I wonder what it is that God is calling us. In fact, I feel like I know some of what it is that God is calling us together. But there's power in unity. We've got to understand that there's power when we meet together in our team night. There's power when we come together for prayer meetings. There is power when we find ourselves in a space of e-group, submitted to each other, honest and transparent. There's power when we're in the house and when we meet at the 5 p.m. There is power in our together and in our unity. And the thing that I love about this is he calls together all the leaders. And I've been wrestling with this, like this is my broken humanity just coming out for a second, right? <laughs> Front row goes. <gasps> but it says he called together all the leaders. So if you have all the leaders, a leader is defined by who's following them, but also by who they follow. So if all the people in the room and in that environment are leaders, then no one else there is following each other, so therefore no one's a leader. And Jesus doesn't say, come be a leader. He says, come follow me. So in this season of my brokenness, my prayer has started to shift to, God, make me a better follower. Just make me a better follower. Because if I can stick close to you, if I can be a little bit more like you, then the people that would follow me could be a little bit more like you. Come on, if I could just be aware of your presence and what it is that you've entrusted with us and given to us in this space of open heaven living. 
And so David moves the ark. He'd already moved the ark from this place in Kirith-Jerim to the tent and prepared for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar made by Bezaleel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, was at Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. And so Solomon and the people gathered in front of it to consult the Lord. There is so much power in consultation, but the only question is, who is it that you're consulting? Whose opinion do you need? Whose do you look for? Come on, what voice justifies for you permission? It just depends on whose direction you seek, whose opinion it is that you allow into your life. And again, this morning, the program, I reminded our intermediate space that if someone loses the plot at you and says something and calls you something or starts talking about something about you, it's your decision whether you let them have impact in your life. The only person who lets that voice speak into you is you. Come on, you decide whose voice speaks to you. And Bible's real clear. It says, guard your thoughts. Notice what the people of the Lord do before a sacrificial offering, right? They consult him. I wonder in this season of prayer and fasting, come on, would you consult him? God, what is it that you would have me give? Come on, what is it that you'd have me change? And there in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar. This one dude, right, Solomon, in the Lord's presence and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. Two things. Open heaven giving positions you for open heaven living. And secondly, can you imagine the blood? Let's just say, right, let's assume for a moment that these burnt offerings were bulls. An average bull has 55 milliliters of blood per kilogram. And an adult bull will grow somewhere between 500 to 1,000 kilograms. But when it came to sacrificial giving, you would only give the best, which generally meant the most healthy and also the biggest, right? So let's conservatively say on average these bulls were 800 kilograms. That's 44 liters of blood per bull times 1,000, which is 44,000 liters of blood. That's a lot of blood, right? But like, we've got really no reference to that. Do you know an average shipping container can hold up to 24,000 liters? So it's like two shipping containers worth of blood. This one dude makes the sacrifice. And maybe 44,000 liters of blood, which sounds like a lot, yeah? But it's nothing compared to what happened when they dedicate the temple of the Lord. They sacrifice 144,000 animals, something like 24,000 beasts, cows, whatever, and the balance was sheep. 144,000. Now that's a lot. Over seven days, which is just over 20,000 animals per day, which works out at one sacrifice every four seconds, which is dead. 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 For like seven days straight. Can you imagine the blood and the massacre of that site? Like if you were opposition territory enemy and you turned up and there is 144,000 animals worth of blood everywhere, you're like, you know what? We're just going to leave those guys be. We're going to pick on somebody else. I don't really want whatever they've been dealing with. That's not cool. 
So he sacrifices these burnt offerings. And that night, God appears to Solomon and says, what do you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. I wonder how you'd respond. Solomon replies to God, you showed great faithful love to my father, David. You made me king of this place. Lord, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you made me king over a people as numerous as the dust on earth. Can you imagine management in that position? (laughs) God says to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people. And you didn't ask for wealth, for riches, for fame, even the death of your enemies or a long life. Rather, you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested. But I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or ever will have in the future. And then in the fullness of time, Solomon returns to Jerusalem from the tabernacle at the place of worship. And he reigns over Israel and he builds up this huge force of chariots. He starts trading with his nations and his neighbors. He has 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses. Sounds like Age of Empires. Stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. And check this out, right? The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. Have you been to the Wymac? It must have felt like they were in heaven. Silver and gold is plentiful in stone, and valuable cedar timber as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. I wonder if we could have the photo up. See, if you Google sycamore trees in, in Judah, one of the first things that comes up on the front page is this picture. Now, those are just fig trees, but there's a few, right? And he makes valuable things as common as these trees. God, tonight again, we ask, Lord, that we'd be able to live with an open heaven mindset. Lord, that with us each individually, Lord, we'd be able to say, make me new. Lord, that you would meet with us. I pray for an awareness of the open heaven access that we've already been given. In Jesus' name, the authority that we've already been given. We ask that you would enlarge our heart, Lord, that you would find willing vessels to be able to carry your new wine throughout this house in Jesus' name. See, the challenge of preaching, right, and the mandate of a preacher is to never reduce the truth to your experience. And eternally, I pray that I never reduce the truth to my experience. There's a tension, right? There's a paradox. We heard it from Pastor Penny already. Does God want to heal everyone? Yes. Does everyone get healed? No. While we still live in a broken humanity, a broken society, Until we are redeemed and restored and renewed in heaven, there's always going to be a tension. Almost like a paradox where the character and nature of God is not always evidenced in the moment where we ask. In the way that we expect. I love what Bill Johnson says about open heaven. He says, most closed heavens for believers are between their ears. He says, the greatest enemy to prayer is not the devil. But we know the devil is an enemy to prayer. And if he can stop you communicating with God, then that's a good thing for him, right? But he says, the greatest enemy to prayer is when we pray and ask for something that we've already been given. When we ask God to give us something that we've already been given. Because suddenly we've forgotten what that is. Suddenly it becomes more about how we ask 
about what we say and about who we are rather than about who He is and about what He's done and about how we can live in a place that's an ever-present, ever-ready, ever-awareness of His presence. When we forget what it is that we've actually asked for, it starts to become about the method. And it starts to become religious. And we've forgotten what we've already been given. And the enemy likes that. If he can help you to forget what it is that we've already been given, he's a long way towards taking territory that was never his. But open heaven giving positions you for open heaven living. We need to understand this tonight. We hold the key. Turn to your neighbor and say, we hold the key. We hold the key. Malachi 3 says, should people cheat God, yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes. Another translation says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do says the Lord of heaven's army. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing that's so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I will open the windows of heaven to you. I love that thought of bringing the whole tithe, bring all the tithes, because there's this dual message in there, right? It means that we all have a corporate responsibility and an individual one. There's an onus on us individually, but also on us corporately to be able to bring the whole tithe. That doesn't mean part of the tithe. That means if we give some of our money to other things, other charities, other movements, other things like that, that's a great thing, but that's an offering. It says bring it to the storehouse, which is the church where you get fed. And test them in it. And here's the thought, right? If in doing that, he gives you the key to activate. He gives you the trigger. Then if it's possible to open the windows of heaven when we give and when we're obedient, it's possible to shut them over our own life when we withhold. But we hold the key. So before we ask for impartation of an open heaven and wonder why it isn't going to come, the first thing to get right is to use a key. So when we look at an open heaven, I want to read through you uh, six things as evidence of an open heaven. Six things tonight we're going to punch through real quick and then I'm going to get out of the way. The first one is this, the Holy Spirit comes. That's a good thing, eh? Mark 1 says, heaven was torn open when the baptism and temptation of Jesus happened. It says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. John baptized him in the Jordan River, and as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. Then the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. We know from other accounts of the gospel that for 40 days Jesus fasted because one of the ways that Satan tries to tempt him is with food. I would say who's enjoying the first week of fast, but for some of you, that's an oxymoron. I'm just going to leave that one there. Here's a question for you, right? If God tore open heaven when Jesus was baptized, who has the power to sew shut what God has opened? Let me ask this in another way. Find for me in the Bible... 
the passage after this where it says that God sewed heaven shut. You're not going to find it. So the first thing we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit comes, but if God has torn it open, we already have access to an open heaven. Does that change what we pray for? What we ask for? What if we realigned our thinking to an awareness of what it was that we were already able to access? What does that look like? It looks like clarity. It looks like direction. It looks like wisdom. It looks like correction. It looks like the support of angels, of provision, of healing, of salvation. It looks like a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Conveniently, I'm about to tell you more about. When Peter lived in an awareness of an open heaven, it said he got to the point where his shadow, whatever his shadow touched, would heal. Can you imagine walking anywhere? Man, if it was nighttime, I'd be like, torch, healed, nailed it. But your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about when the Holy Spirit comes, right? It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting in one place. There it is again. There's power when we meet together. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven. So we know that when there's an open heaven, it's got a sound, right? People can hear it. And there was a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. There's a tangible presence shifting in an atmosphere. Then what looks like flames or tongues of fire. So there's something visual that people can see when you're living with access and an awareness to the open heaven. And it settles on each of them. And everyone present is filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say some people present. It says that everybody present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin speaking in tongues and other languages, which means there's miracles and signs and wonders as the Holy Spirit gives them an ability. And at that time, there was devout Jews from every other nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, they came running. And they were bewildered to hear in their own languages being spoken by the other believers. So there's something attractive about an open heaven that begins to attract other people into your life. Into the area of responsibility that you've got that people would come running just to see what it is that's going on. I heard God was doing something on your life. I could see something from the distance that I don't understand, but I've come running because there's something inside of me. There's deep cries to deep that calls out, maybe this is what I've been searching for. Maybe this is what I've been looking for. Maybe this is what I'm hungry for. I don't know, but it's worth a try. And if we skip forward a little bit, it says in verse 12, they stood amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. There goes that new wine again. But come on. The world won't always understand at first. But they'll be attracted to an open heaven. This on your life. Because there's a sound. What's the sound that's on your life? Come on, there's something that people can see. It's visual. This tangible shift that sets you apart. I sat down with my boss Last week and had my annual competency review and in the job that I do in the bank, I can promise you that everything is measured in ways that I didn't know existed. In fact, this year they split our scorecard, so instead of having it over two things, there's like four big areas which all break down into multiple areas. So more things measured than I have ever had before. And in my role, there are three levels of entry and competent and then advanced. And the higher up you go, 
the harder it is to be marked well. And you can be rated as an A, B, or C. And in my role, I'm currently in an advanced level. And before I sat down, the conversation started with, I just want you to know that I've given you an A. And he manages about a third of the branches in this region, and he's never given an A to an advanced person in my role before. But I just, I, I can remember the look on his face that when I sat down and I just started to unpack my year. Do you know what it's like to have a conversation when you don't even have to fight? And I just began to pour out what's been going on this year. And I said, look, I just want you to know that this comes from a place that for me and my wife and for our family, it's been the hardest year financially that we've had. There's only one income. And from a workplace, there's been all these things that have been challenging to me. But um, personally, in my own life and in church, it's been the most traumatic and horrendous emotional year that I can think of. Like, if you had a great 2017... God bless you (laughs) so much. And he said, and he said to me, he's like, I didn't even have any idea. And I would have, I want to rate you an A before, but given what you've gone through, I can't believe where you are because I don't smell like it. I don't sound like it. Because there's something about an access to an open heaven that sets you apart. That means that you sound a little bit different. It means that you don't smell like smoke even when you're in the fire. When you're in a place of trial and test. Carry on. Verse 17 it tells us that when we're in, living in an open heaven, awareness, God pours out His Spirit on everyone. And there would be prophecy, visions, dreams, signs, wonders, salvation for all those who call upon their name. Maybe I can throw this one out at you. I often find myself guilty of asking dumb questions. Hello? Like, what is your plan for my life? Come on, what's your purpose? Where should I go? And somehow I can, with good intention, turn this whole gospel of loving other people and God introverted and make it all about me. And I completely miss the point. I think a better question is to ask, God, where is it that you're going? And how do I stay close? Because if you've prepared good works for me to do in advance before I even got here, if I can just stay close to you, I can tick them off along the way. Show me where it is that you're moving because the only thing that matters is if I'm close to you, I know I'm safe. If I'm close to you, that's all that matters. If I'm close to you, we can make it through anything. (laughs) So the first thing is the Holy Spirit comes. The second thing is clarity, direction, and wisdom often looks like correction. In Acts 10, Peter sees heaven open. God speaks to him three times about the food that he can eat, and Peter says, no, no, I can't eat that. And God says, don't call unclean what I have said is clean. Now, eat it. And Peter's like, no, 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 I can't eat it. It's wrong. I can't eat it. And God says, shut up and eat it. And for three times, and God's making a point, right? He says to Peter, Some of what you're thinking that you think is right is not right. I want to correct your thinking because in what you're thinking is right, 
not being right. It's actually withholding and it's stopping other people from encountering relationship with me. And what happens is off the back of that, Peter gets led into the Gentiles, which were people who didn't know the gospel, hadn't heard the message of Jesus. And they ask him to start sharing this thing. And as he starts to share the message of Jesus, the Holy Spirit just impacts everyone who's listening. And I just wonder, what's it look like if anyone who's listening to what's the sound on your life, if the Holy Spirit just would impact and fall on them, what does that look like? Somebody who stops and has an awareness that there's just something different on your life. And they're listening to the sound that's on your life. And then God would meet them in the strangest of places. I just wonder what an open heaven could look like. And so Peter gets like smacked and then shares this message. And all these people get saved. And this thinking is transformed. And I ask myself the question, where is it in my life that, God, you want to correct my thinking? That the thinking that I think is right, that's wrong. Come on. What is it that you want to change? Romans reminds us, come on, let God transform the way that we think by renewing our minds. I love what happens in Ezekiel 1. It says, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. And we read here how the word of the Lord came because God gives you vision and he gives you word and he gives you direction and clarity. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us this, right? Follow me on this one. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. So if God was the word, if we're in close relationship with him, then we have the word which means we have clarity, which means we have wisdom, which means we have direction. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of direction. So if we're close, we have access to the dude who made everything, who has all wisdom, all knowledge, all power. <laughs> Number three, the support of angels. How many think that's pretty cool? That is awesome. I love what we read in John 1.51. He says, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who's the stairway between heaven and earth. Angels are messengers. They're delivery boys. They can take messages from God. When we live in an awareness of an open heaven, we have access to the greatest postal service there of all us. It doesn't matter if somebody else goes postal. Mm. <laughs> Number four, provision. Evidence of an open heaven. The Holy Spirit comes with clarity, direction, wisdom, the support of angels and provision. I love what we read in two places. Let me read to you first Psalm 78. It says where God rains down provision. It says, he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven. Notice what doesn't follow is he then shut them. He rained down manna for them to eat, and he gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released from the east wind from the heavens and guided south wind by his mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all around their tents. Here's the thought, right? When we live with an awareness of an open heaven, God can blow provision directly to your doorstep. You don't have to go searching in other places that won't satisfy temporary craving in the world, when you understand that He already escaped heaven and came to this earth for you. 
There's provision for every need when we live with an awareness of an open heaven. You don't even have to leave your door. You got to understand that wherever you look, that becomes your source. Where is it you're looking? Who is your source? See, Jesus looks to heaven, right? We know this. He says, my help comes from the Lord. In Philippians 4, he says, God is our supply. The same God who takes care of me will supply not some, but all of your needs from his glorious riches, which we've been given in Christ Jesus. I know this is scripture heavy. This is the most scripture heavy I've ever written. The blue parts are the scripture stuff for me, just so you know. But can I read you my favorite chapter that I have found on obedience and blessing in the whole Bible? I'm not even going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to keep this like to like 14 verses so that you can stay with me. With me. But when I point, I need you to say, we'll be blessed. So we'll practice this. Ready? All right. So if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep the commands I'm giving you today, He will set you high above all nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields. Your children and your crops. The offspring of your herds and flocks. The fruit baskets and breadboard. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you, the Lord will conquer your enemies. Whenever they attack you, they'll attack from one direction, but scatter in seven. They'll guarantee a blessing on everything that you do. And He'll fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord will bless you in the land He is giving you. Amen. Come on, the land we are about to receive, He is blessing us. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, He will establish you as a holy people as He swore He would do. And then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by the Lord. And they will stand in awe of you because people watch where there's an open heaven. Then all the nations will see you. And God will give you prosperity in the land that He swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from His rich treasury. Say rich treasury in the heavens and bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations but never need to borrow for them. If you listen to these commands that the Lord your God is giving you today, if you carefully obey them, He'll make you the head, not the tail. You'll be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. He opens his rich treasury for you. He gives you the good stuff. How many people have a cupboard of like the good stuff? Like a drawer or like the sheets that you've never used because they're awesome or maybe the special cutlery. I used to, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to use it. So now when we have steak, we have two different knives because my wife doesn't like this like thing that can kill a beer. And I don't like this thing that's like for picking your teeth. So we have like <laughs> two lots of good stuff. It's really good. I have to be careful with the plate because it's like, girl. I can't hardly lift it, but don't tell her that I love them a lot. So there's provision, right? And, and, and we could go on, but I won't. The fifth thing is healing. I don't even have space for a quarter of what it is that I'd love to tell you about this. I just want to read you one verse. In Mark 7, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to Jesus and people begged him to lay his hands on him and heal him. So Jesus leads him away from the crowd. 
And he put his fingers in the man's ears, spit on his fingers and touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, come on, wherever you look, that becomes your source. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be opened. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Everything you need comes from living under an open heaven. Looking up to heaven, immediately he was healed. I wonder if you put your hand on your heart tonight and say, Ephatha. Be opened. Ephatha. Come on to your spirit. Be opened. Ephatha. There's healing when we live in the awareness of the open heaven that we've been given. Number six, and this is the last one. Salvation. Salvation. If you carry on after the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, skip down to verse 41. It says, Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. And it goes on and talks about how they sold their possessions and everybody had every need met. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.